Welcome to Don't Look Now, the podcast with your hosts, Jenny McDonald and Will Hageman coming to you today as every Tuesday with our fun story of the week slash topic of the week slash whatever it is, because I have no idea. For those not already familiar with our format, I have no idea what we're talking about today. You've at least got some idea because you've seen a title and maybe a description on this podcast. But right now, Jenny is the only one that knows what we're doing, so... Give us, me, us or me or whoever in here. What, what, are, what are we going to talk about today? I would like to talk about one of America's greatest ghost stories. Ooh, greatest ghost stories. <sighs> Let's see. So did we already do like the Headless Horseman? Because that one's a classic. I feel like we did. It feels but, like we did, but I can't. Re- I can't specifically remember it, but I swear we talked about it at some point. I think we talked about the literature side of it. Yeah, yeah, and maybe it's roots in American, like yeah, I think we talked about Gothic revival or whatever that series something. was. Yeah. All right. Let's see. I don't know the Amityville Horror. No, that's a really good one that may pop up at Halloween. Um, I'm definitely feeling like a spooky vibe because it's so damn hot. I would give anything for it to be 70 during the day and like 50 at night. Yeah. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. Oh, man. Now, now, I'm at, now I'm at a loss. Okay, so it's American folklore. Yeah. Takes yeah, place in a low Appalachian region where the fog rolls in over the hill, the mountains, not hills. Hmm. Appalachian ghost story. Where the whiskey is kicking. I think you, I think you got me here. I don't, I don't know. So let's go to the 1800s to bourbon country to Robertson County, Tennessee. Anything yet? No, nothing. Okay. As soon as I say it, you're going to (laughs) know. You ready? Sure. All right. So for centuries, the legend of an evil entity called the Bell Witch has Ah, made waves in rural Tennessee. Okay, cool. Now you know what I'm talking about? Yep, yep. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now Now I got it. Okay. Yeah. So the spirit of the Bell Witch appeared in the early 1800s to haunt the farmer John Bell and his family. Um, so it started out as a pretty relatively harmless entity, just kind of like knocking on walls, pulling blankets off the bed. It progresses to getting scratches and welts all over the body of John's youngest daughter, John Bell. Um, and after three years of escalations, the ghost murders Mr. John Bell. That's no good. Right. So there's lots of theories um, and then like modern theories as well, because this is one of those stories that people can't let go of for a lot of reasons. So you can now go to Adams, Tennessee. There's a website for the Bell Witch. There's a whole tourism thing. You can go hang out in caves. Um, They have kayaking and inner tube 
you know, when you get on the boat, the tubes on the, like a lazy river kind yep. of thing, Yep. they have that. Um, you can go camping apparently, you know, it's good for tourism ghosts. So yep. why wouldn't you want to go camping where someone was murdered? That's like <laughs> vacation central. Yeah. Right. It is. Um, so according to the bell, Witch website, the story begins in what is now Adams, Tennessee, when farmer John Bell spotted a strange creature in his cornfield in 1817. Hmm. So he saw a chupacabra. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Was so this a said, chupacabra or a skunk ape? Right? Yeah. In Appalachia, you never know. Um, so it looks like a dog with the head of a rabbit, but it disappeared when he shot at it. So when it disappeared, he was like, eh, whatever. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> As I'd you like do whenever stay. weird cryptids show up in your field. Yeah. Right. But also, I don't know what the size of rabbits were at this time in this yeah. area. Like, I, have I told you about my trip to Scotland when we landed in Ireland to switch planes to get to Scotland? As we were taking off, I could see from the little tiny puddle jumper that we were on, this gigantic dog is what I would describe it. And yeah. the flight attendant looked at me and goes oh no those are rabbits they're 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 irish rabbit irish hair and i was like what the this thing is like a 70 pound rabbit so i don't know what kind of rabbits there were in 17 in tennessee who knows who knows it was at least ambiguous enough that he thought it could be who knows it could be a dog also i mean it didn't say what kind of dog right like just yeah body of a dog yeah (laughs) It was the body of a chihuahua and the head of a rabbit. Exactly. So it's only like four pounds shaking wet, you know, shivering. So that night, uh, John goes home and has dinner with his family and, you know, they're farmers. So that means that they're like eating by candlelight because it's, you know, harvest season, most likely. And they hear a strange knocking sound from outside. So as kids do, his kids went running to answer the door to see <laughs> what was making the noise. You know, like I just imagine a brood of like 20 little boy kids and their dogs <laughs> running yeah. around in circles around the house looking for things. Um, they didn't see anything, you know, probably because there's little boy children running around scaring everything in sight. Yeah. And over the next few weeks, things started to get weird. So John and his wife, Lucy, and their kiddos continued to see weird things, but not really be able to tell what it was. And they heard a lot of weird things like knockings and scratching sounds and things like that. Sounds nice and creepy. It does. Um, it also makes me think of rodents of unusual size. <laughs> there you go. Right? right. They're in, they're in the forbidden swamps and yeah, there's R-O-U-S's. Maybe just somebody let some capybaras loose in like Kentucky and nobody knew what was going on. That's an interesting idea. Maybe. I mean, where are capybaras native to? Uh, South America in general. I don't know exactly where, but they're generally a. Huh. I'd have to think about that. That's interesting. Rainforesty sort of thing. I like that that's exactly where you went. Um, Doesn't go with what I'm going to say next, but I like that that's, I like the vibe. So in this period of time, one of his sons saw a bird described as being of extraordinary size. Yeah. Yeah, As as it is. 
Um, and then his daughter, Betsy, spotted a girl with a green dress swinging from the limb of an oak tree. And then when she walked up closer to her to play with her, as children want to do, <laughs> she wasn't there. Even one of the farmer's enslaved workers mentioned that there was a large black dog that had been following him around. Now, that I don't take as a good portent for this poor enslaved person. Yeah. Like, that sounds terrible, sir. You need to run. Yeah, that's creepy. Yeah, you got a hellhound, sir. Um, God bless you. Good luck with that. So as time goes on, things just kind of increase in nature. So, like, they see more and more weird shit. And it gets increasingly violent. So soon the family starts to hear the knocking sounds. And then on top of the knocking, they start to hear like a choking noise in the house, which is. (laughs) That's super disquieting. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And then they said that they started to hear what sounded like invisible dogs fighting. (laughs) Or like when you're laying in bed, the sound of rats gnawing on your bed. Yeah. Which during this period of time, they would have probably been sleeping on straw ticks, which was mm-hmm. not uncommon to get mice in those. But rats is a little unnerving. And then most unnerving, they started to hear the sound of chains being <laughs> drug across the floor. <laughs> which is disgusting. Um, and then their children would report that their bed sheets were being ripped off of them, that they were getting scratched. And their hair was getting pulled. Interestingly enough, most of the time that you hear stories, it has to do with a little girl about the age of seven when you hear ghost stories. Yeah. Not surprisingly, the ghost favored Betsy, who was a little girl about the age of seven. um, (laughs) And (laughs) she got the brunt of the torture from the ghost. So she was pinched. She was slapped. She got stuck with pins And sometimes the ghost would be so violent with her that they could see the outline of big red handprints and large welts all over her body. So it sounds like she was beaten pretty badly. Um, Reportedly, the witch often claimed she wouldn't leave the Bell family alone until John was dead. And Betsy, who this is over a huge period of time. So she went from being a little girl to a young lady who's engaged And the ghost supposedly says that she's not going to leave until Betsy breaks off her relationship with a young man by the name of Joshua Gardner. Okay. So John Bell has let this go on for quite a period of time. Right. Um, And eventually he confides what's going on to a family friend by the name of James Johnston. And the guy's like, "Mm, sure. That sounds like some bullshit, but you know, of course, like it doesn't take much to show the, marks on their daughter for him to be like okay you know what i'm gonna come check this out so james comes and hangs out and decides he's gonna stay at the farm for a few days and he does confirm that there's some sort of spirit that seems to be terrorizing the family in general and here's you know like one version of the legend because there's a many Mm -hmm. um states that the bell witch was a spirit that had been disturbed when the family built their farm on native american burial ground um, another says that the Bell family would ask who she was, and she responded she was the witch of Cat Bats, who was a very eccentric neighbor who was known for making up stories for attention. Um, regardless, once their friends stayed over, word starts to get out about the evil spirit, right? Yeah. And so their house becomes kind of a tourist attraction of the days for 
people to come check out this witch trick at their house. It's such a popular story that future United States president, Andrew Jackson, paid them a visit. (laughs) Nice. Right? So according to the Tennessee State Library and Archives, so I guess this is as legit as it can get, um, then General Andrew Jackson had heard stories about the Bell Witch, and he was like, I'm going to go check this out. So the year is now 1819. Um, so he had property on the Red River and he stopped by the Bell Farm when he was there visiting the property. And it's also possible. So that's like one version of it. Another version is that John Bell's son spot under him at the Battle of New Orleans. So he wanted to visit them and see what he could do about this ghost for them, because that seems right up the alley of a general, right? Yeah. So as soon as Jackson and his entourage enter the Bell property, one of the wagons gets stuck which seems about like my life. So like, I feel for you, Andrew. Um, And no matter what they did, they could not get the wheels to turn. And so Jackson immediately declared the witch did this. I want to say that I feel like we do not have enough military strategy in the history of the United States where we have blamed things on witches. So I think we need to, to start to talk about that again. Like, we might have better military precision if we engage witches more frequently. <laughs> Let's end wars quicker. Come on. At any rate, Andrew Jackson says the witch did this. And according to legend, the stories, um, a disembodied voice answers him and says, all right, I'll let the wagon go. Cause I'll get to see you later tonight. <laughs> so at the farm that evening, One of Jackson's men claims he's a witch tamer. Now, I would like to know what that means. (laughs) He means he gets them in a cage and uses, you know, a chair and a whip. And then like, you know, see, I didn't know if he was do tricks. I don't know. A witch tamer in that sense. Or like, does that mean that he's like the one that sues the savage beast of like taming of the shrew style? Like, what does the, what does he mean by this? (laughs) But what he tells people is that he has a silver bullet that's going to kill any evil spirit he comes across. Now, sir, you're going to need more than one if you're with me, because I feel like this is a lot of work you have ahead of you tonight. (laughs) So no sooner than he starts to say that he's this witch tamer, he begins screaming and jumping around and he starts shouting that someone's pricking him with pins and hitting him. (laughs) That's right, witch tamer. (laughs) And then disembodied voice starts to reverberate throughout the house saying words. And then they can hear another voice and another until they hear the word fraud over and over. (laughs) So during the course of the night, Jackson's men beg to leave. But he's like, oh, my God, we can last one night. We're we're soldiers. We got this. I'm a general. What's going to happen? Right. Mm hmm. Um, it's unclear after the witch chamber was beaten, what happened. Um, however, the next morning, Andrew Jackson got up bright and early before the sun came up, hopped in his wagon with his horses and hightailed it the F out of the bell, Witch farm <laughs> and said, I would rather fight the British at new Orleans than fight the bell, Witch." nice. This is Andrew Jackson. This is not like other 
presidents that we've had. This is Andrew freaking Jackson, man. <laughs> This is this is a guy who generally murdered people for fun and duels. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Was was he old Hickory? Yep. No. Yes. Yep. So he was kind of a hard ass and yeah. not a, necessarily an amazing human in every sense of the word. <laughs> but uh, yeah, among his many flaws, cowardice does not seem to be one of them. So yeah. Whatever the case may be, um, library confirms that he was there. So. Nice. I, it, but maybe that's like every hotel in like DC that proclaims that Washington slept here. I don't know. Yep. Right. Yep. So from 1817 to 1820, the Bell Witch remained a permanent fixture at the Bell Farm. Um, the spirit supposedly spoke with the Bell family and visitors, um, and visitors came from all around the country. Because once again, it's a tourist attraction even now. And the ghost would talk to people about the past and the future. Apparently, the ghost, um, which the ghost is a witch, you know, as we talk about, so it's female. So she's especially well-versed in the Bible. Apparently, she once quoted word for word two different sermons that had been given at the same time, 13 miles apart. (laughs) Pretty impressive, Um, especially considering they didn't have tape recordings of the word-to-word sermons. (laughs) or taking their word for it that they remember it being a word-to-word sermon exactly so over time the entity began answering to the name of kate um once again she claimed to be the witch of kate bats who was that crazy ass neighbor poor lady she probably just was you know a little strange (laughs) um apparently though she was pretty violent towards john and betsy bell but she did seem to like john's wife lucy Um, She reportedly once brought her fresh fruit when Lucy was ill and would often compliment her. So she liked her. She was nice. (laughs) So as time goes on and the hauntings are continuing, John Bell begins to experience strange muscle twitches in his face. Those then progress to getting really bad migraines. And then he would get these tingling sensations and he was tired all the time. And then he started having seizures. And then in December of 1820, he slipped into a coma. And the following day, he dies quietly at home. His family later finds a weird vial of dark liquid in the kitchen cupboard that hadn't been there previously. So they tested it by putting some on their, sorry, spoiler alert for people that are pet friendly. Um, This is a terrible thing. They put a drop on their pet cat's tongue and the cat fell over dead. Yeah. Right. And then when the cat falls over and dies, the bell witch voice echoes through the house. I gave old Jack a big dose of that last night, which fixed him. So then they threw the vial into a fire where it exploded into a blue flame and shot up the chimney. Very aggressive. So John Bell's now deceased and the spirit's a little bummed because, you know, she liked poking at him. So she starts to focus all of her attention on Betsy. She follows her wherever she goes, including whenever her fiance was around. Um, And what she would do when he was around was pull her hair, beat her, shout threats, cursing at them. And by March of that year, she was like, I can't, I cannot take this anymore. I am done with you. You need to leave, not to the ghost, to the fiance. (laughs) 
interestingly enough, as soon as the fiance was gone, she wasn't covered in injuries anymore. So the entity allegedly visited Lucy and told her she was leaving on the way out, but that she'd return in seven years. So like, oh, good. He's gone. Lucy, honey, I'll be back in like seven years. Everything's (laughs) fine. Also, why is it in ghosts and devils? It's always seven years. It's never 13. So she disappeared. And sure enough, in 1828, she reappears to John Bell Jr. and stayed for three days. Now, she's not crazy mean to him. She shows up and she talks to him about things that happened in the past, things that are currently happening, and things that would happen in the future. She also made predictions about the Civil War, which was still 30 years away. Yes. Right? And then she goes... Okay, I'm, I'm on my way out. This took a lot of effort. This was a lot of storytelling. You know now about Civil War. I will see you again in 107 years, which would be 1935. <laughs> um, there's no records of reappearances in 1935. However, descendants of John Bell claims that they have seen signs of the Bell Witch. So, according to um, the Associated Press, Lucy Bell Butler claims she and her daughter have seen the black dog that the enslaved person saw and a little girl that will giggle and run around in a green dress. Um, She still runs through the house. So, like, the descendants see her running through the house. Hmm. Um, And, of course, you know, all of this is super doubted by everybody. And it's really been a lot of just word of mouth passed down. However, some of these original stories are in newspaper articles from that time. So like this was enough to catch people's attention in the 1800s. Okay. And then in 1894, um, newspaper editor Martin Van Ingram made a book called the authenticated history of the famous bell, Witch." it's a lot. Um, (laughs) It's pretty far-fetched, but there's a lot of theories and things. So let's talk about some of the alternate theories, though. Okay. So one of the alternate theories comes from a book called Through the Eyes of an Angel um, by Dr. Sue Clifton. And in it is a psychic, modern-day psychic, by the name of Sarah Pugh. And Sarah claims that the bells weren't actually cursed. Um, the low land they chose to settle in was cursed. And so when they disturbed the land, they set this in motion. So, um, uh, sorry. The abuse continued, like I said, until 1820 when John Bell died. And then when the daughter broke up with the boyfriend, mm-hmm. um, But Pew says, so the psychic says that the spirit that tortured Betsy Bell and the rest of her family, even their enslaved people on that farm, wasn't responsible for his death. She says that a slave killed John Bell because he was not protecting Betsy from another family member that was sexually abusing her. Hmm. Um, So this is interesting because... Honestly, everything about this little girl's story sounds like she was actually abused more yeah. than she was, you know, like beaten by a ghost. So that actually held pretty good credence. Um, 
And one of the generations, five generations later, one of the descendants said that this actually sounded more accurate to family stories than anything else that they had heard about a ghost. Is that more likely it's possible that she Mm -hmm. was sexually assaulted and abused? I think the fiance abused her as well. Okay. So that's one possibility. Um, Another involves Bessie Bell's teacher, Richard Powell. So he was 11 years older than Betsy. He's madly in love with her. And he was really disappointed when he found out that she was engaged to Joshua Gardner. He also was rumored to have knowledge of the occult, ventriloquism, and horticulture. So if anybody could pull off such an involved hoax, it probably could be him because he had enough weird background, right? Mm-hmm. Um. This theory is strengthened, in fact, by the fact that he ends up marrying this girl after she breaks off her engagement. So maybe he did all this to run off the boyfriend. That's horrible. And then Betsy aside, because we don't really know what happened with her. um, A modern explanation of the murder comes from 2014 from Dr. Megan Mann. She's a chemistry professor at Austin P State University in Clarksville, Tennessee, which is about 20 miles from the site. Um, so she describes the medical symptoms. Remember when I talked about like, you know, he had weird tremors, he had seizures, yeah. headaches, fatigue. And she says a lot of these symptoms are very neurological. Um, so if you look at the neurological symptoms on it, these are the same symptoms that you get from heavy metal poisoning. Okay. So it's pretty common during this period of time that arsenic was used as a poison um, and long-term exposure to arson would have caused such symptoms as the muscle twitches that he had. Additionally, arsenic was pretty easy to obtain over the counter. (laughs) Also, remember when I said John Jr. threw the little vial into the fire and it turned blue? Mm Mm-hmm. Arsenic apparently does the same thing. Okay. So it's possible that someone was slowly poisoning him over the period of three years. And he finally died in 1820 when he had built up enough in his system. Maybe. 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 (laughs) Sounds plausible to me. Sounds plausible, right? Yep. The truth of the matter is nobody really knows, but it's still an interesting story that is passed around pretty frequently. Yeah. So let's go down the rabbit hole and talk about other ghostly things. There is a half naked, half frozen chicken that haunts the area of Pond Square in London's Highgate. (laughs) Ah, the half naked ghost chicken. All right. Yeah. I couldn't turn away when I saw that headline. (laughs) Sounds amazing. In 1626, Sir Francis Bacon decided to conduct a spontaneous experiment to test the preservative qualities of snow while driving through the square. However, after stuffing a chicken with snow with his bare hands, he became ill and died. Since then, many have claimed to hear the screeching of a chicken or seeing a half-naked bird plucking um, its feathers as it runs and running around (laughs) circles in the square. (laughs) So there's no ghost of, you know, Francis Bacon, just the, you know, chicken he was molesting. Right? Just this poor half-naked chicken running around. He gave it all the spirit. Um, 
Okay. In 856 AD, the first poltergeist was reported at a farmhouse in Germany. The poltergeist tormented the family living there by throwing stones and starting fires. Poltergeists are a real thing. I believe in that 100%. Ancient Romans believed a ghost could be used to exact revenge on an enemy by scratching a curse on a piece of lead or pottery and placing it into a grave. Nice. Doesn't say whose grave or anything, just a grave. Yeah, we saw that with the whole, you know, bath spring thing with curses and whatnot with their written on their lead sheets and tossed in. So, yeah, interesting. Right. Why not? Um, the classic ghost story arose during the Victorian period and included authors such as M.R. James, Sheridan Lafonu, Violet Hunt, and Henry James. Famous literary apparitions from this period are the ghosts of... Jacob Marley, mm-hmm. Christmas past. We talked about this once before. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the Victorian period, they were really big into ghosties. And then finally, I recently listened to a podcast called Morbid, where they talked about the first case of a ghost in the American court record system that helped put someone in jail. Nice. Long story short, a woman is murdered by her husband and her ghost goes to visit her mother multiple times and tells her the details about how she was murdered. And the mom goes to the courts and is like, look, I'm not somebody that believes in ghosts, but here's what's happening. And I think I'm losing my mind, but here are the details. And she like gave very specific crime scene details and they were able to capture the husband who confesses and put him in jail. But it goes on record in like court documents that the mother saw a ghost. It's the nice. first one, right. So that is our ghostly story this evening. Well, that's cool. I always love a good ghost story. So yeah. I've got I've got all the haunted heartland, hot in America books that I like ordered a while back. I need to sit down and read them. Who was I just telling? I was just telling some of my friends about um, the whole house. Yeah. From- that's what I I can't remember what I was watching the other day that the whole house came up. And it was just, you know, literally about like, you know, the regular stuff with whole house and not about the you know demon baby of whole house or whatever that's all i think of whenever i hear whole house i think of like devil baby of whole house or whatever it was so you know that was literally at my dinner the other night yep okay there you go (laughs) that would be why we both remember it you were sitting right next to me (laughs) (laughs) anywho yeah um that happened (laughs) (laughs) but i think i was watching some other podcast that was on jane adams or whatever and it was going over whole house and stuff and it was all about you know the actual real history of whole house and not about you know the devil baby (laughs) like it's like there's a history of it other than like you know demon baby wow okay cool you mean the italian ladies didn't show up with their little black veils to come see the devil born at whole house i'm very disappointed that is by the way the only version of that story that i accept yeah yeah Because I can just see them with their little purses and their pearls and their little veils, nice. their little pillbox hats. <laughs> and anywho, yeah. <sighs> oh, well, cool. Well, thanks for that. Yeah, like like I said, ghost stories are always fun. So yeah. and that's a very particularly strange one. So it you know it's one of those ones that Victorian era pre romanticism period. Yep. Yeah, but it's just one of those ghost stories that could just be a crazed family drama story that, you know, 
would be sorted and twisted and is instead, you know, a witch. But who knows? Um, also, I realize I said that this story took place in the Appalachians, and I just realized it didn't, so I Googled it really quick. It's actually the Great Smoky Mountains. Um, There's mountains in the eastern part of the U.S. It's all, it's, it's all part of the same chain, right? No one good. checked my geography. Well, I mean, it's effectively the same. I mean, the whole Appalachian Trail goes right on up through the Smokies and everything. It's not like, it's all part of the same general mountain chain, so you're good. It's fine. It's it's close enough. I tried. I did Google it. <laughs> I fact-checked myself. No one has to later. It's all good now. All good. Cool. Well, nice. Yep. Yeah, well, thank you, everybody, again, for listening to us this week. Uh, as always, you know, rate, subscribe, review, tell your friends, and tune in next week for our, our next topic. And uh, we will catch you all later. Bye-bye, folks. Bye.